0: Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. I'm so excited to have Tanessa Shears on here today. She's a health consultant for entrepreneurs, and I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. Tanessa, thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. So I want to, well, we always start by just kind of hearing a little bit of the background of how you started your business, what it's all about, um, and what that journey has been like. So let's, well, let's start there and then we can jump into all the
1: amazing things that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, well, it has definitely been an evolution and it doesn't look anything today like it was when I started. Like today I work with entrepreneurs as a, like a brain and body optimization coach. So I get entrepreneurs operating at 90% of their peak capacity so that they can show up and perform and be present in their business, get a lot done and you know be able to go home at the end of the day and enjoy their spare time or their time with their kids and their family, right? But it didn't quite start that way. I started actually as a lifeguard who was in the pool, freezing, teaching swimming lessons for a couple of years. And they gave me an option. They said, hey, well, if you want to get out of the water, you can teach Aquafit. And that was kind of my first jump into health. It's like, well, yes, I'd love to get out of the water and teach Hmm. Aquafit. So I ended up uh, getting my Aquafit certification and I loved the whole fitness and health thing so much that I completely switched from a communications major to a biomedical physiology major, went all the way through, got my personal training designation, jumped out on my own, grew that to six figures. And as I was enjoying that and finding so much fun in that. You learn along the way as in your entrepreneurial journey. You know, you where you started with just fitness, you start realizing that, oh, look what happens to my clients' results when I start talking about food and now I incorporate sleep and there's all these different layers, kind of like an onion that have built on to the practice that I now have today working with entrepreneurs to help them optimize for their business so they can grow faster.
0: I love it. So, what does that really look like like in terms of how you work with people just like not as a sales pitch, but I'm just curious, like what does the day-to-day of your business look like? Like how do you work with people?
1: Yeah, I do it as a one-on-one. So we just get together. It's almost like I took my one-on-one in-person practice and put it online. So it's a one-on-one meeting a week. And I use specifically something called biohacking. Are you familiar with that word? Yeah, a little bit, but just in case people who are listening aren't, like what would you... Yeah. So yeah, biohacking is basically being able to hack your biology and it's doing things through self-experimentation that all can be measured and quantified so that you can make results on your health. So it can be as simple as something, you know, like meditation or eating whole foods, or it can be something as complicated as like, you know, wearing blue light blocking glasses or getting, you know, electromagnetic field therapy. There are so many different ways that you can use biohacking but I find that it's a great way to help elevate our brains basically. So what that looks like is I have my clients record everything from their sleep trackers to what they eat, to how they move. And then we look at exactly how that's affecting their ability to stay focused and have long blocks of productive work and their work output and their energy and stuff like that. And we make changes on a super micro level to the things we see. So for example, if we're looking at Uh, one of our entrepreneurs sleep quality, and they're not dreaming enough, which helps us be super creative, then I know exactly what strategies to implement to help them get more dream sleep so that they can be better problem solvers. So Mm. that's kind of what it looks like.
0: Wow. So I mean, that's probably a long answer, but how do you make people get more dream sleep to be better problem solvers? That sounds like something we all should know.
1: Ooh, yeah. So the best thing that they can do to get more dream sleep is actually to pull out blue light before bed, because it has a direct impact on the amount of dream sleep you get each and every night. And blue light is the, the type and the frequency of the light that comes from the screens we look at, like our phones and our computers and our TVs and stuff like that.
0: Right. Oh, okay. So, well, I wasn't going to dive right into some of these things yet, but now <laughs> I know. <laughs> so do you just do you tell people to wear the blue light glasses and to obviously stop looking at screens, but like a couple of hours before bedtime, is that kind of like one of the big things we can do?
1: I mean, that would be ideal, but we're talking to entrepreneurs here. so It sounds so impossible, right? (laughs) Right? It's like for, and especially those of us that are parents, like, well, hey, maybe that's the time that we get to get work done, right? So, I mean, when I look at strategies to implement, we look at a good, better, best. Like there are different levels of effectiveness and something that every single one of us can do are put blue light filters on our devices. And like with our phones, it's built in. It's called either night mode or blue light filter, but there's free apps that you can download for your browser is called flux. I think it's F dot L U X. And what it does is you can set it to a schedule. So say 7 PM to pull the blue light out of your screen. So it's not affecting your sleep as much. So that is something that, I mean, everyone can do, but then beyond that, you start looking at things like, well, what about blue light blockers? And there are these really awesome glasses that I always recommend to my clients. I wear them myself. They have red lenses in them and they filter out blue, green, and purple light spectrum. So what this does is it allows us to have more melatonin release. And melatonin is the hormone that allows us to fall asleep easier and stay asleep. And if we can remove the blue light in the hour or two before bed we are going to have a much deeper and sounder sleep where we are getting high quality and not having it be interrupted by wake-ups and by by all kinds of stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So wait, first of all, do you have like a link for those glasses that I can
1: look at and maybe share on here? Is yes. that something you can buy online? Yes, I can definitely share them with you. But the okay. the brand there's there's lots of different brands out there. That I know that uh, the one that I personally invested in were uh, was called True Dark, just because the man that actually owns the company is the founder of biohacking. His name's Dave Asprey, and so yeah, I was like, well, I'm going to try those out, and they are wonderful. Like when I put those on. I get so drowsy. I get sleepy. Like I've fallen asleep in conversation with my poor husband, but they, they are just such a wonderful way to be able to still go about your evening and have amazing sleep. So here, this might not be like something you can
0: answer, but I feel like I fall asleep really easily. I've never fallen asleep more easily than in the last couple of like years ever since I guess I had my son and like my business at the same time. I fall right asleep. I never have any of that problem. You know, people are like, Oh, I like lay awake for hours at night, like thinking about things, whatever. Growing up, I always remember feeling like I was lying there for hours, like unable to fall asleep. But I just feel like in the last like several years, I'm just always so tired. I fall asleep as soon as I lie down. So that has never felt like a problem for me, but I also doubt that I'm having that deep sleep. So is is there any kind of way to tell if like, am I, am I getting sleep, but it's just like, maybe not as good. I feel like I haven't slept deeply since I've had my son. Like I wake up at the slightest, any, like my husband's always like, what are you doing? And like, I hear, I hear him. Like I can tell anytime he's like rolls over in his bed, I like wake up, you know, to make sure he's okay. Is that, I, which I mean, I don't know if that's even negative. Like, I feel like I don't want to sleep deeper than that. Cause I don't want to like miss something if he needs me, but is, I guess that's my, the short question is, is there a way to tell if I'm sleeping easily, but not sleeping deeply? And then just like, as a mom, like, is that okay? Or should I be trying to sleep deeper? And you'll just be like, you know what, you're going to be fine. Like, you don't need to wake up at every noise that happens in the
1: house. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like the second I became a mom, I grew this amazing ability to hear everything. Yeah. yeah. And so I know exactly what you're talking about, but I sleep with a sound machine and earplugs, and I am still fully aware if she needs me during the night, right? And yeah. so going to your question about knowing. I guess what kind of sleep you're getting, there are really just easy ways to like invest in minimal based trackers that you can get like a basic Fitbit, like the cheapest one you can get is one that measures your heart rate is one of the easiest ways. I mean, there's lots of different brands. You can get them from Garmin and there's fancier rings that you can get called an Oura ring. But basically when you wake up, they take a look at the amount of movement you had during the night and your heart rate fluctuations. And they make an assessment of where you spent time dreaming or awake or uh, in deep sleep. And then it gives you it as a percent. And there's little percent goals that we like to hit in terms of how much deep sleep and how much REM sleep each night.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, maybe I should get one of those one of those things and see. Because I would be curious to find out like I feel like I'm one of those people I've always I feel like I need like kind of a lot of sleep like I need a fair amount of hours in order to feel rested but I wonder if I'm not getting great sleep and maybe I could use less but have it better somehow or something I don't know interesting
1: Yeah. And I I know exactly that feeling you have, because I was like that before I got a Fitbit. And one of the things that I was so surprised about is I would go to sleep at like 1030 and wake up at six or 630. And in our brains, that was eight hours of sleep. Right. But what we don't know until we're actually looking at the numbers of our sleep is that it is totally natural and normal for us to wake up briefly, although we may not be aware of it at the end of our sleep cycles. And some of us even are aware of the times we wake up. So like for me personally, I've been able to bring my wake time down to about 30 to 35 minutes per night. But if I was only giving myself seven and a half hours of time to sleep, I'm not taking into account the 35-40 minutes that I'm awake during the night, right? So that is now taking away from the quality of sleep and when I begin working with entrepreneurs and I'm analyzing their, you know, sleep tracking data in a spreadsheet, most entrepreneurs are awake between an hour and an hour 10 per night. Fitfully waking up, tossing and turning. So, what feels like might be seven hours sleep, eight hours sleep on the clock might only be six and a half, six hours forty five, and that's why we're feeling so tired, regardless of if we think we're doing a good job sleeping. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that would be so
0: good to know. So, yeah. so if if you see that, like you have things that you know that you can try to adjust or like change in order to make sure you're actually like optimizing the hours that you're spending in bed.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've got like six strategies that I can share too, which I find are the go-to ones that are going to make the biggest difference for the amount of energy and time invested. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you share some of those with us
0: right now? You mean?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, so the first one is developing and resetting your circadian rhythm. So while that word, we may, a lot of us may not have heard that word before. We've heard of early bird and we've heard of late night owl. And whether we are early sleepers or late sleepers is about fifty percent genetic. But the rest of it, we can, I guess, fine tune, so to speak. So when I'm looking at, say, the sleep data for the first time of someone, one of the first things I look at are how consistent are our sleep and wake times. Because what happens is our bodies run on a 24 hour clock. That's essentially what circadian rhythm means. Things like our body temperature, our hormone releases, our sleep, a lot of stuff functions during the clock. That's kind of like why we get tired at night and less in the morning. It's Because there's certain hormones that we're working with. So a good example is right before you fall asleep, the hormone melatonin naturally ramps up to help you fall asleep. Whereas in the earlier morning hours, you know, you're looking at 4, 5, 6 a.m., the hormone cortisol is there for a reason to help wake you up. So when we're constantly changing our wake up time and our bedtime, we're never quite in sync with our hormones. So we wake up feeling tired because we've missed that up ramp of cortisol, or, you know, we're going to sleep too late or too early, or we have a lot of things that are disrupting melatonin production. So by having a consistent plus or minus 20, 30 minutes start and end time for your sleep is hands down the biggest thing that's going to make a difference to your sleep quality. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. That's why like
0: if you're not used to waking up that early, even if you go to bed a little bit earlier than the night before, but like you're setting the alarm for six, it's like miserable because you haven't had that morning burst of what is it? Cortisol
1: yet. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Well, and the other reason behind that too is when we're using alarm clocks to wake up, it's very possible that your brain is being interrupted in the middle of deep sleep or REM sleep. So if you ever like woken up to an alarm clock takes you like 20 to 30 minutes to really wake up, Mm -hmm. it's probably because you were in the middle of a sleep cycle. So one of the wonderful things is by setting a consistent start and end time, your body naturally adapts and wakes you up consistently at the same time without an alarm clock. And the benefit of that is you don't get woken up in a sleep cycle, you get woken up at the end. So you wake up feeling wide awake.
0: Yeah, totally. So I feel like for me, I mean, I think that's the one good thing that's come out of like the pandemic and staying at home all the time is that since I don't have to wake up early to bring my son to school, we've been sleeping later, to be honest. But I mean, you know, we're just as, I'm just as productive throughout the day because I'm definitely somebody who stays up late. I would definitely can like, I can stay up late and I can be pretty productive late. So, you know, I am one of those people who stays up to do work after he goes to bed and then sleep until like, I feel like my body w- wants to wake up around like between seven and eight and then I'm totally fine and good to go. And I feel like that can be the same amount of sleep as if I, you know, like when we used to have to go to school, <laughs> we have to get up at like six thirty or whatever it was. I don't even remember to get ready for school. And I'd probably try to go to bed a little bit earlier because obviously I'd be tired earlier, but yeah. I still feel way more tired in the morning waking up at, at that time than now with the same, I think the same amount of hours. So maybe that's just like, that's
1: more of being in just natural rhythm, right? If it's exactly what it is, I think you found it's called your chronotype. It's where you naturally fall asleep when you're not, you know, setting alarms and stuff like that. And it's, it's fascinating because you'll always feel better when you're following your body's natural rhythm instead of into a forced rhythm. So a lot of the time when you're you know, resetting your sleep times for the first time. If you go to sleep from 12 to eight, this is not to say that you should start doing, you know, nine 30 to six. It's saying be consistent with that. And what you might actually notice is it naturally adjusts. Like it's so interesting when we did our reset here at our house, like naturally I used to sleep from like 10 30 to seven, but when I started being consistent, it worked its way back. And now it's nine to five 30. And it, that's just what happens by default. Wow. So, okay. Do you have like a quick
0: tip for like, what if we do have to start going to school again? <laughs> and I have to, I have to get up at the school and the school that he's in now technically for kindergarten, which luckily it's virtual. But if he has to go in person, you have to be there. I forget. I think you have to be there at like seven thirty, like something ridiculous. Like we'd have to get up at like at least six probably, which just sounds almost impossible at this point. But is there like a quick tip for if you do need to get into a rhythm that doesn't feel natural? I know you said like you can
1: kind of ease yourself into it almost, but do you have a tip for that? Yeah, you could work back your sleep start time maybe like half an hour per night, you know, given the like three to four nights lead up and then be really aware of your blue light exposure beforehand so that it doesn't interrupt your sleep. So even if you're getting a shorter sleep, say while you're adjusting to the earlier morning wake-ups, at least the sleep you had was quality because there's nothing worse than having a short sleep that also was not quality. So, you know, whether you're putting the filters on the devices or you have glasses or you're just deciding that, you know, technology goes off at this time that's definitely something that would make you feel a lot more awake while you were adjusting your rhythm backwards okay that makes sense um
0: okay so uh, well I'm really interested in this sleep stuff but just in case anybody else isn't as much so, what else well so one of the things you had said and maybe the answer is mostly sleep but in case you have more to talk about one of the things you said is that you basically can help people get more done in eight hours than we usually can in a week by optimizing the performance capacity of our brains. Is that mostly through this sleep stuff or is there more to it? Tell us, tell us about that. Cause that's what I want.
1: Yeah. You know, what it is largely sleep, but I do have some other components that I can share. I like to think of sleep as like the 20% of your efforts that gets 80% of the results. It's, it's the thing that we like to be like, yeah. I'm pretty sure my sleep's good. I'm fine. But I find it's one of those things that until you've really felt what it feels like to be fully focused and charged and awake during the day, it's like, oh, that's what I was missing. So when I'm, when I'm saying that I help my clients get more done in a day that some people can get done in a week. It's because when they come to me, what they often say is things like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so good for the first morning hours, and then I completely crash in the afternoon." Or, you know, I buzz during the day, but I'm so tired that I can't even enjoy my family. Or I feel unfocused, or I feel confused. I don't know what to work about. And what they're experiencing is called brain fog, and that's like the number one thing that I find I'm dealing with uh, with my clients over and over again. It's handling brain fog. So brain fog is, is, not really like a, it's not a thing, but it's more like a collection of symptoms and it's things like uh, being forgetful and low energy and like feeling kind of confused about things. And you can't really stay focused and you get distracted easy. And like your thinking might feel cloudy or clunky. It's kind of like when you sit down to either write content or a newsletter and you just don't have any ideas and you're kind of feeling like it's, it's not flowing smoothly. It's that feeling of, being unable to ask your brain to perform because it's sleepy or it's unfocused. And I find that that a lot of the time is the big issue that is preventing people from really being able to go to work. And so they end up spending their days on what I call surface work. Uh, It's a type of work kind of like emails and Instagramming and posting, and it's stuff that really doesn't move the business forward. And it's really hard for clients, I find, at the beginning to get into deep work because they're so easily distracted by emails and things they think they should do. And the tasks like I said, they're all busy work, but they're not result producing work. So once we can kind of clear out brain fog and have a crystal clear brain, then we can pair that with understanding result producing work and put those together and you can get so much more done in a day that moves you forward instead of just getting stuff done. Yes. So how do we do that besides the sleep? You said there was
0: one or it was like a couple of other things.
1: Yeah. So what we're looking at when we're talking about getting rid of brain fog is we need to reduce the amount of inflammation in our body. So when we're talking about things like inflammation, what we're used to thinking out is like, I sprained my ankle, it got inflamed and swollen, right? Mm-hmm. But that same thing can actually happen not only in our di- digestive system, but in our bodies and our brain. And it allow, it leads to like foggy thinking and lack of performance. And there's three main things that... When we look at the day of an entrepreneur, there are three things that are causing it. And number one is chronic stress, feeling overwhelmed and out of control, or like there's so much to do, or that you can't keep up, or maybe you're feeling scarcity. And that chronic stress stimulates kind of that fight or flight, where you always feel a little panicky and causes an immune reaction that leads to brain fog. Mm, So, what are you
0: talking about?
1: Yeah, no, definitely not as an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, can, I can feel that feeling so well right when you say that. I know exactly what you mean.
1: So yeah, you have a way to fix that. Well, a lot of it is just understanding that there are two sides to our lives. There are our entrepreneurial selves and our non-entrepreneurial selves, and I find that sometimes that line gets very blurred where it just feels like we're either like in the family but we're thinking about the business, but we're in the business and we're kind of working there, but we're also thinking we should be with our family. And it's really understanding that there needs to be a component of deep quality downtime built in intentionally into our schedule. And it doesn't have to be like things like bubble baths or making time to read. It can even just be things like when you're cooking, be present. Have conversations with people, put some good music on. It's allowing your brain to still work, but not have to be in a productive format. Like, even, you know, that kind of feeling when you go for a walk and your brain just kind of softens. It doesn't have to be like producing results and creating sales pages and stuff. It's that kind of brain relaxation that we can build into stuff we're already doing that really allows for deep quality downtime to bring our nervous system out of fight or flight and show our brain that there's not an emergency. Nobody's dying. Cause we treat our businesses like our lives. Like if there's a threat to our business, our brain and our body treat it like a threat to our actual lives and our stress goes along with that. So we need to learn how to be able to bring that down. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. I feel like being able to turn
0: that off is is so hard, but so important. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. Reading is like one thing that I've been able to do recently. Like I find even if I literally pick up a book for five minutes, it makes me feel so much better, like, because it just does kind of serve as that reset, because it's the only thing that actually can like shut it off in that way. But I like what you said about, it doesn't necessarily have to shut off, it just has to kind of be working in a way that's not necessarily around producing results. I love I love what you said. I think that's really important to think about, because that's so true. We're so caught up in always being efficient. And like, trying to get as much done as we can and being very results oriented i think as entrepreneurs and it's like wait have you let your brain have a second of like not having to be doing that if, if we don't yeah. need to do that?
1: <laughs> I, I agree i agree and it's so interesting when i ask people like so what do you do when you're not working on your business like what are your hobbies what do you mean hobbies that's what i get the answer of it's like we we lose uh, connection to who we were before our business, like what we enjoyed doing, and I'm I'm with you. I'm a reader as well, and just even making that 15 minutes before bed is such a like a decompression practice that really allows me to slip into sleep and get get the recovery that I need in order to show up the next day.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. So so that's kind of like the brain fog thing. Yeah. And that's, that's a way to help with the brain fog, kind of erase the brain fog a little bit. So you can be just more sharp with your work and your thinking when you are actually trying to be getting stuff done. Was there something
1: else also? Yeah, there's there's three main components that I address first and I kind of call these like the foundation of getting rid of brain fog. Cuz there's lots of fun like extra little things, but until the foundations are mastered, there's no point in going on to like all of the extra stuff like organizing your workplace. So, though, like I said, chronic stress, we've already covered like what quality sleep can do for your brain. The mm. other one is actually proper nutrition. Mm. And not just about, you know, Having optimal health or about weight, but about what eating food that creates inflammation in our body, because we're coming back to inflammation again, what that can actually do to our brains when we are eating food that are setting off an inflammatory response or that are damaging our gut. Or the other thing that can happen is if we're constantly eating foods that cause our blood sugar to go up and down a lot, and that's leading to a lot of those energy crashes and lack in performance thinking. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. So, So normally you would just kind of track what somebody's eating throughout the day and try to see if you can tell if there are inflammatory things in the diet or if there are things to add or take out depending on like energy levels throughout the day.
1: Yeah. Well, what I like to do is I like to teach my clients about how the hormones in their body work with relation to food, because there are certain foods that will cause your blood sugar to go up, but what comes up must come down. So when you're experiencing that down, that's when you're getting that drop in energy, right? So what we do is we look at, well, if we're talking about foods that are going to keep your blood sugar stable, we're looking at things like whole foods. So I ask really easy question. Does the food you're eating either come from the ground Or did it have a mother? And if you can't answer, looking at the food, it was probably processed, and it's probably going to be wreaking havoc on your blood sugar, leading to all kinds of energy problems, uh, fatigue, forgetfulness, uh, being easily distracted, clunky thinking—that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally. What do you have anything to say on coffee? (laughs) What
0: if somebody drinks a lot of coffee throughout the day?
1: You know what? Coffee. I drink coffee as well. There is only one thing that I always share with my clients: is drink your coffee cut it off by noon because there is the actual caffeine that you're drinking binds to a receptor in the brain that prevents the sleepy receptors from binding so it actually the way it caffeine makes us feel so alert is it prevents you from feeling tired so I mean that works fine and dandy during the morning but when we're trying to go to sleep it's important so the reason that I say noon is because caffeine is interestingly enough it takes six hours for half of that caffeine to be absorbed. And metabolized. So if you cut it off at noon at 6 p.m., half of that caffeine is still full raging in your body. And then you look at midnight, you've still got 25% of your caffeine. So if you're having coffee like two, three, four, or five o'clock in the afternoon, your sleep is absolutely going to be disrupted. Totally. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I purposely sometimes have mine later in the afternoon so that I can stay up <laughs> later if I feel like I have more stuff to do. So, but I know it's probably not necessarily the best thing. But again, I'm one of those people who I usually can do more at night than in the morning. So I sometimes have to get strategic with the coffee. But basically, it sounds like what we can all do is track our sleep and pay attention to those rhythms and make sure we're getting the most bang for our buck for our sleeping hours, track our food and nutrition and making sure that we're eating basically like whole foods, not processed foods and oh my gosh what was the third thing
1: chronic (laughs) stress managing chronic stress yes
0: okay yeah letting your brain kind of shut off all of these things are going to cut down on that brain fog and let us be more productive when we're actually trying to like get a chunk of work done
1: is there anything
0: else besides that that sounds like I mean that those all sound like totally reasonable things those feel like things
1: we should all be able to do Yeah. I think what people miss out on though is measuring the effect of them. So like we know that we should, you know, bring our stress down and we know that we should sleep. Like, but the problem is the actual implementation of it and seeing the results. So for example, if you're able to monitor your sleep, then you, what you want to be doing is, okay, if I do put the blue light filters on my computer, how does my sleep change and how do I feel because of that? Or if I choose to focus on eating only whole foods until, or at least during my workday, so maybe until three or 4 PM, how does that affect my productivity? Or when I eat these foods, Am I noticing any symptoms after? It's it's looking beyond it and applying it and understanding why we do certain things and that finding kind of that unique combination that works for you in terms of foods, the amount and quality of sleep and what stress relieving tactics work.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what do you recommend? Should we all carry around little notebooks and like just be basically tracking this stuff, like writing down what we eat and writing down the sleep and then thinking about how we feel each day?
1: Well, the neat thing about the sleep is, I mean, I I use a Fitbit. There's lots of different apps, like we said, but it just is on my phone. So I pick it up in the morning and I have a look. And then once a month I'll export all my data and, I, and then you can kind of see trends, right? Like, mm-hmm. am I chronically low on my dream sleep? Because Fitbit will tell you general targets to aim for, right? But as far as the food, there is something that I do with my clients that makes them hands down the most success at sticking to it. And I ask them to write down what they're going to eat tomorrow today, because I find that in the moment, especially when you're at the beginning of managing brain fog and you're just, you know, feeling unfocused that a lot of the decisions we make around food are about what's easy now and what's in the moment and not looking at what do I want to feel like in two weeks from now, in four weeks from now, in three months from now. So by planning a the food that we're going to eat tomorrow, today, we're doing it from a non-emotional place. So our job then tomorrow is just to stick to it. And it's to learn how as entrepreneurs to be okay with being uncomfortable when it comes to our food plan and we don't want to follow it, but it's, it's developing that skill of discipline. And by planning ahead of time, it helps develop discipline so quickly, which just makes everything else easier.
0: Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I tried to, I tried to plan stuff like that, like food and stuff, mostly just to make sure that I'm going to like have enough food for like the family for the week and, like you know, make sure I have a sense of what to put together for lunch and dinner so that we don't end up, so I don't end up not wanting to put something together. So I totally, I think that's so helpful, even just when I'm not thinking about it in terms of like brain fog and trying to think about what's best for my body, just like if I don't kind of jot it down or even just think about it in advance for like the week, I'll just end up having junk or like not really even making anything for lunch, you know, grabbing something out of the cabinet or something, because I don't know what it is. It must be some kind of mindset thing. Like if I've written down that I'm going to like make a smoothie, then like I'll go make a smoothie. But if I haven't thought about it in advance, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like dealing with all that. I don't feel like taking all those things out. Like I'll just have I don't know, you know, some leftovers or something that's in the cabinet. So I could see that being really, really helpful if you're trying
1: to keep track of the nutrition
0: for this, you know, reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about making decisions from a place of what you want long term and not just what we feel like in the moment. Cuz I used to be the entrepreneur, guilty confession, that would eat bowl after bowl of honey nut cheerios. I would just eat keep the bowl and the the carton of milk and the box of cheerios just on the desk and I would just be like this is fine. But that was more when I was like in university and you know moving into my business, but that's about what happens when you don't plan. It's just like, well, what's closest that I can eat that'll get me through until I'm done this project instead of actively planning it to help your work.
0: Totally. Do you have one or two things that you recommend people try? Like if someone's like, well, I don't know what easy thing I should make for lunch when I'm working from home and stuff. Like what, what's your one or two go-to things?
1: Um, I always have uh, vegetables cut up in the fridge to make an easy salad. I find that that is hands down the easiest thing to do for lunch because not only does it keep your blood sugar really low, but it has plenty of vitamins and nutrients in there, and you can get your fat with your avocado and your protein. Maybe you put a little chicken or some egg in there. And I find that it's something light and it keeps your blood sugar stable, which is the most important because what often happens is there's something called a postprandial dip. Basically means after you eat, you get an energy dip because your body is having to manage all the blood sugar and also manage digestion. So you want something that is going to keep that process simple so you don't get that dip in energy. So I'm really actually focused on lunches, making sure that they are high in healthy fats and in protein and in vegetables. And that's always the focus. So that's one of them. Let's see. A second one. I always like to have like a can of wild salmon. And then, you know, just do that with some cut up vegetables. If I'm really short on time and I have nothing in the fridge, it's something that I could whip up in a couple seconds and doesn't take much time to eat either.
0: Yeah, oh, that's an interesting idea. I never do that. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's something we can easily do. And like I feel like even if you just did that, even if you alternated those two things or like had a salad like three or four days a week and then maybe like kind of salmon the other day, like that's so easy. And I mean, I feel like I wouldn't get sick of that because you can always make the salad slightly different. You can use different vegetables, different dressing, whatever. And I could eat that like all week long if I decided to.
1: Absolutely. And I always take the food that I eat on my working days very seriously. I always ask myself when I'm picking out something like, How much do I need my focus today? How much do I need clear thinking? How much do I need my energy today? Is this going to help that? And if it is, I'll eat it. And if not, I'll either, I mean, ideally, I'll save it for the weekend or even dinner. But I always am very protective of my energy and what I eat during work days.
0: It's a good self-control. I'm not sure if I have it, but.
1: (laughs) But it's one of those things too that you develop with discipline, like the planning ahead of time. There are so many days where I don't feel like eating anything remotely healthy at lunch. And my brain kicks and screams and it acts like a toddler, but the act of doing what I said I was going to do and practicing having my back, Mm -hmm. even when I don't feel like it really develops that relationship with myself now. And when I plan things and it, and it wasn't without discomfort and it wasn't without a learning process and being, you know, frustrated with not feeling good at the beginning. But it's one of those things that now I have that relationship where if I'm going to say I'm going to eat something, I know I can count on myself. And that relationship is part of what makes that easy now instead of having to rely on things like willpower, which just don't ever feel good.
0: Mm, Yeah. Also, I mean, I'm sure as soon as you start to see results and you're like, wow, this had a direct correlation to the way I was able to focus this afternoon. I got so much stuff done and I felt really good about it. Like, I feel like once you can see that connection and you see that the choices that you made did that, it makes it a lot easier to keep doing it.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that that's part of that too is just reinforcing the belief that I'm the type of person that cares more about my health than what I feel like in the moment, right? It reinforces that belief. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. I think this is really helpful. And I mean I, I love that it's like it's like easy enough that we can all do it. Right. And we can there's no excuse to have a foggy brain next week, basically after listening. (laughs) So I'm just curious, like in terms of you and your business and running your business, um, I assume you're pretty good at doing all of these things, but what else like does a successful day look like for you? Like just curious as like, you know, you as a business owner, a mom, a person optimizing your body and your day and your life, like what does a good day look like for you?
1: Yeah. So most days I'm up between five and five 30 and that's a lot of it because I go to sleep between eight 30 and nine. It's not because I'm forcing myself to get up that early. That's just the way my brain works. So I'll usually get up. And as a mom, like I know the traditional advice is don't go in your email and, you know, have time for you and exercise first thing in the morning. But like, you know how you do your work after your kids go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I do mine in the morning. So because that's the time that's available for me, I get till eight, AM to go for it. So I wake up and I always go in and I have an entire organization system for what needs to get done in my business set up on Trello and it's all set up for results. So a successful day to me will look like I wake up and I look at the results that I need to produce that week in my business. Um, For example, like I need to edit two podcasts or I need to write a podcast description or I need to check in with all of my clients. Like those are all results that I need to do. And I find that things like check emails does not produce a result. So a successful day for me will be getting the result oriented tasks. Like I have tangible results for the effort that I did that day mm-hmm. in my hand at the end of the day. And like I said, like I have limited time. My business time is basically between five 30 and eight in the morning. And again, from 1130 to one outside of the client hours I work with. And if I'm highly productive with that, then by the time my husband gets home at the end of the day, my goal, a successful day will be to get the results done to have eight well that day. And then to be able to shut off and enjoy time with my baby and my husband, you know, where I'm not on my phone or checking emails, but to actually be able to play with her and be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
0: That sounds really good. And then she goes to bed in time that you can then go to bed by 8.39. That to me feels amazing because I can't even get my son to bed that early, which is one of the reasons why I stay so late.
1: So you know what one of the interesting things was is, when our baby was born, we took the approach of, well, babies are humans and we're humans and we use these things for better sleep. So we understood that our sleep is always going to be at the mercy of hers because just naturally, if she's waking up, we're waking up. So Mm -hmm. that was one of the first things we had to fix. So I was like, well, what makes us sleep better scientifically when we look at, and it's a, we were like, can we develop her healthy habits? So things like, we've developed her circadian rhythm and we have her wind down routine and we make sure her room is blacked out and we remove blue light for her. And mm-hmm. by doing that, naturally she sleeps from about eight to eight every night. But by using the same principles that I work on with my clients on her, it's helped her have really healthy sleep habits as well. That's smart. That's a really good. Yeah. I love it.
0: Cool. So what do you, what's like next for your business? What do you see for your business? What do you, do you have any plans for the next year or beyond? Totally fine. If you don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot with that. I just always like to hear like what people are planning for the future of their business.
1: Yeah. So in the immediate future, um, I have a podcast launching called becoming limitless and it's basically biohacking for entrepreneurs, which is kind of fun. And it's all about brain optimization, but that is going to be used kind of as a platform because eventually what I would love to see is right now I only work like one-on-one with clients, but I think it would be so cool to develop a, a program down the road. That was just one of those things that anytime someone wanted to become an entrepreneur or found themselves experiencing brain fog, it was like the program to go through in order to make sure that you were getting the most time and the most productivity out of your time and the most success out of your business. It was kind of like that, that component of your health that we need to have in our back pocket and have it be like a go-to program. I think that that would be super cool.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a no-brainer best investment for your business too, like your business and your body because- Oh, 100% you see immediate results. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. Well, you'll have to let us know if you start that. (laughs) It'd be fun. So anything else that you want to mention or talk about before we wind down this conversation? I feel like it's already been so much, but anything else?
1: I think the biggest thing is just to really value your sleep. Um, one of the analogies that I really love to use is this idea of a brain in a box. So to kind of make that make sense, think about if you were to go get a brand new computer and you got it with the highest specs and the fastest, you know, processing, and you got the best, the most memory, and you had all these specs, and you got this computer, and then you just put it in a cupboard and never opened it up and just left it in there. We'd be like, well, what was the point? And I think entrepreneurs treat our brains the same way like we have this amazing piece of machinery that is capable of so many wonderful things and problem solving and solution creating and the way we treat our brains as is if we have that computer that we don't take out of the box we never really optimize it and clean it up and find out what it's capable of when we you know really value our sleep and we manage our stress on purpose and we really eat well it's like i love the idea that as entrepreneurs, it is our obligation to take our brain out of the box so that we can show up at our highest when we're serving our customers and our clients and, you know, not just leaving it on default settings, but saying, how can I optimize this? How am I able to think better and do better and serve better? Oh my God. I love that. Take your brain out of the
0: box and optimize it. Cool. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, I think that's such a, it's like just a mindset shift for people, right? Like, actually think about how, what you can do on purpose to make this be the best it can be, to make yourself the best you can be.
1: Totally. It would be like buying the highest powered computer you could get and just using it for web surfing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So true. Okay. So tell us what's
0: one thing you would wish you had known more about when you first started your business.
1: It would definitely be how not to be a weirdo on sales calls. (laughs) And I think that's something we learn as we go along. But in the beginning, we're all a bunch of weirdos on sales calls and we don't know that that's normal and we grow out of that. But by, by weirdo, I mean things like we get really graspy or we get really anxious or we don't have a flow or we, you know what I mean? We don't actually show up to coach the client's mind and help them see See their own thinking so that where their solutions are and stuff like that. And we just are so focused on the sale instead of helping the clients. And it's, you know, after I went through an amazing, amazing coaching program that taught me how to, you know, that sales is coaching and coaching is sales. It's all about being able to be there in support of your clients, whether they want to work with you or not, and not be the weirdo that's only thinking, oh my God, do they like me? I'm going to make the sale. So that's which I wish I would have known more about, you know, six, seven years ago, instead of only learning that in the last three or four.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. That makes sense. That's such a good answer. No one has said that before, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) And what's one other piece of advice
1: that you would share with other entrepreneurs in general? It's don't give up like ever whether you need to pivot, try something new, try a different model. Don't ever give up because when I started and when I moved, I had a full, full coaching practice when I was doing just personal training. But naturally when I switched online, it was that building up process again. Mm -hmm. And had I not been persistent and showed up no matter what and been that, you know, person of service that the people that were following me knew they could rely on and trust and was consistent and wasn't going anywhere and wasn't, you know, inconsistent. It was someone they could count on. That's when my business started to grow and understanding too that the effort you put in today may not show up for six months or a year. And so expecting just because you put up a post or, you know, you do a video that you're going to get clients off of that, you need to build that value and that takes time. So never giving up allows you to finally, if you, you know, persistent, having that person that takes a year to warm up with you, that is ready to work with you. You need to be there when they're ready, even if that takes a year.
0: Yeah. So true. Oh my gosh. I see that too. Even, even more than a year, like people that I've met like three or four years ago, like who then refer me a client like four years later, just because, you know, that's when they come across someone, like it's not even always the person who might end up hiring you when they're ready. It's like, just those connections and networking and things can take time. So
1: no, totally. And we're, it's such a, there's such a hustle and impatience attitude that we're being taught as entrepreneurs instead of just like, well, you can work hard, but it doesn't mean you have to be burning the candle at both ends. You know what I mean? Just patience. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on today and just talking about all of this stuff. I think it's really useful and definitely, if absolutely nothing else, if it gets people to think about like, oh yeah, like how can I just be more purposeful about the ways that I'm using my body and putting into it or allowing it to get sleep or run in, in ways that will be able to be just more optimized what you're doing every day. I think that's so, so, so good. And everyone should just be thinking about it a little bit today, if nothing else. Yeah, Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was fun.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode, or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.